0: Lord, as we are continuing in this series of learning how to become people of godly character, Lord, so often we strive to do these things on our own. But right now, God, I plead with you that you will sweep into our lives and that you will help us to put you first. Lord, we seek to do your will. And I ask right now, Lord, as I present your word, that you will help me do so with clarity. And Lord, as they are here to receive your word, I ask that you will give them open hearts to receive what you want them to from your word and from your heart. Help us today, Lord. And it's in your glorious name that we pray and the whole congregation said it. Amen. Church, I want to start this morning off right. I want to tell you something. Can I do that? There is no one, hear me church, there is no one and no thing like our God. Amen? There is no one and there is nothing like our God. And as I was putting this together and as I was writing it out and putting my notes and trying to collect my thoughts, I I kept putting words down. I kept trying to describe our God and, and help give a clarity of our God, but the more I wrote, the more I realized how inadequate my words are. And the more I wrote and the more I studied, the more I realized that adequate words do not exist. They're, the words or the right words to describe my God, my King, the Creator, the right words don't exist. Church, our God is that perfect. Our God is that amazing, that wonderful. And I, as I was writing, I said, I want to try to put down one word to to completely encompass God, to help give you guys an example of, of what God is. And as I was writing, I kept putting just word after word after word down. And I want to tell you this morning, there is no one word that completely describes our God. And we can try and we can pursue, but every word falls short. Our God is that powerful. Our God is that amazing and that wonderful church. There is no one and there is nothing like our God, amen. And so, as we were going through this list, God begins his Big Ten, is what we've titled it. It's the Ten Commandments, but it's God's Big Ten list on, on what, it's, what we need to do to become people of godly character. And, and God starts it out, because God knows there's no, one, there's no one like him. He's the creator of all. He created everything. There should be no one in competition with him. And so he starts his list off. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. He said that you shall have no other gods before me, none beside me, none alongside of me. Absolutely not. There should be no one in your life that comes before me. Church, listen to me. I want to say it again. There is no other God like him. He is the one and he is the only. And therefore, as we discussed last week, it is our priority to make God number one in our lives. Nothing, hear me, church. There should be nothing standing in the way of God in your life. God should be number one in your life, and, and as we discussed last week, and this is a quick review. It is not until we get this one right that things will fall into perspective. If we allow anything else to stand in our way, if we allow anything else to be before God, it's, it, everything else Will be out of perspective. Everything else would just be out of place. And that is why God started out with, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, I am the only one. And he says, until you get this one right, the rest of these, they don't matter. He says, you can do that. You can, you can hold all of these, but if there is something else in your life that is your God, listen to me, it, it all falls short. Everything will fall short. And so he starts his list off. He says, you shall have no other gods before me, and we must put God as number one in our lives. And I keep repeating that. I keep saying that, that God must be number one in your life. And I know what you're sitting there thinking. Well, preacher, you say these things, but you're not allowing us time or you're not giving us examples of how to do this, right? Put God first in my life. Okay, preacher, I got that one. Put God first in my life, but, but how do I do that? Right? Because so, so often we, we see these preachers and myself included, we get up here and we point our fingers at you and we say, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And what do we do? We leave it at that. We don't give you examples. and We don't help you do that. But listen to me, God didn't just say, you got to put me in number one in your life and leave it there. What did he do? He continued on his list. God, as we discussed last week, you see a lot of us, we, we get lost in this, on the roadmaps, and, and we're driving down this thing that we called life, and, and we get distracted by all the signs and everything. But what God did is he gave us his Big Ten, and he gave it as, as a roadmap to us to be able to help guide us and to be able to help direct us in the right way. And so he says, you shall have no other gods before me, but let me continue on writing. Let me continue on speaking to help you understand how I mean by this, what what I mean by this. And so what God does is he says, you shall have no other gods before me. So right on the heels of the first commandment comes commandment number two. And so if you will, Exodus chapter 20. And we're gonna reread verse one through three, and then we're gonna jump into verse four. And it says, and God spoke all these words Church, don't you think it's important to listen? Look, it says, and God spoke all these words. How many of you would agree that we need to take this kind of serious, all right? This is coming from God. This isn't just some ancient writer that thinks, you know, this was a good idea. It says, and God spoke all these words. Church, we need to take it very serious, okay? So pay attention to the words that are coming next. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of slavery, or brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. He says, I am the one and only. There is no one before me. And verse four, he says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am, jealous, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But listen to that, church. He says, I am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the, fourth, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But listen to verse number six. This is the hope. Listen to what he says. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Oh, church, that should get us excited, amen. Come on now, that's amazing. Listen to what it says. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands, amen. Oh my goodness, church, there is so much hope in that last verse of that command. There is so much hope there. But God says, no other gods. He says, do not make them up. Do not fashion them with your hands. Do not bow down to them. Do not worship them. Do not love. give your love away to them. He says, do not give your loyalties away to them. Do not give your time to them. He says, I am a jealous God. He says, I'm jealous for you. He says, "He says I created you in my image." He says, "I created you to be with me in the garden." He says, "But but 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 things happened, things things went awry, things went went astray. But I want to bring you back to me because I love you that much that I that I want you in my life is what God is saying. He goes, "I want you with me." You see, our, our culture and, and people like to point and say, "Well, God's just a mean kid sitting up there pointing and p- throwing punishment." But that's not at all what God's doing. God's saying, "Look, I love you so much, and I want." you to come back to me I want you to come to me he says I'm jealous for you he says I am a jealous God I I want to do life with you but the problem is some of you are putting things before me and what you're doing is is you are creating these gods that aren't me he says, you're allowing them to stand in our way, and what you're doing is, he says, I, I'm so jealous for you, I just wanna spend time with you, I, want you to, I wanna love you and I wanna bring you to me, but what you're doing is, is you're worshiping and you're praising and you're spending time with these things that, they're not real. That they, they don't actually exist. I mean, they exist for, for a moment, he says, but eventually they're gonna fade away. He says, you are giving your time to them, you're giving your love to them, you're giving your loyalty to them, but why? He says, I'm the one that created you. I, I'm the one that loves you. I'm the one that provides for you. I'm the one that gives you everything. Look what I, he, go back to the verse two. He says, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of hundreds of years of slavery. But yet this thing is what you love? He says, come on. He says, come on, church. But what I want us to do first, I want us to notice the second part of this commandment. Because what God has done here is he has established rules for kingdom living, right? We're talking about build, becoming people of godly character. And so what he does, he gives us these, these rules for kingdom living. And what, and what he clearly states is here is the, is the consequence of rebellion. He tells us this is what happens when you live in sin because what happens is, and God knows this, God knows the destructive nature of sin, I know today's preachers aren't supposed to talk about sin, right? We're only supposed to talk about lo- the love of God and everything that's all sweet and butterflies, but church, listen to me. Sin is destructive, and sin will kill you, and it will destroy your families. And if, and if you don't believe me there, continue reading in verse 5. He says the consequences of sin will go to the third and fourth generations. He says your sin will have effect on your children. Your sin will have effect on their children and your sin will have effect on your great, great, great grandchildren. He says sin is so destructive that it doesn't just, it doesn't just affect you, it affects those around you. It has a ripple effect. You see, whenever you take a stone or you take a pebble and you drop it into the water, what happens? does the, I mean, it drops, right, It makes a little splash, but it doesn't stay isolated there, does it? And If you can't visualize this, go home, find a puddle of water, get a glass of water, and drop a rock into it. And you see that little tiny splash, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay isolated there, does it? What happens? Well, when you, when you drop that pebble into the water, it makes the splash, but then what happens? The effect of that pebble hitting the water, it continues to ripple out right it's the ripple effect sure for the moment it affected the 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 here and now but as time goes on those ripples affect the water around it you see when i was a teenage boy i was what they like to call young and dumb how many how many men in here would raise their hand and say when you were a teenager you were young and dumb as well okay Few honest folks in here. All right, boys. For you, you you mothers of young boys, listen to me. God love you, and God is going to bless you. I promise. Okay, because if you are a mother of a son, my goodness. I'm sorry for all men, in, all men in this room, I apologize to you, all right? So, so my, my mom, she raised two of us boys and, and we like to cause trouble and I say that um, because I am now saved and God has redeemed me uh, but we like to cause a little bit of trouble and one of the things that, 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 that would, we would do is we would just go out with our friends and, and we like to make our friends' moms think that it was us causing the trouble and then we like to make our moms think that it was them causing the trouble and so everybody would just end up getting in trouble. And so I was the ringleader in this one. I'm not going to tell you what I did. It wasn't anything horrific. It wasn't criminal or anything like that. But, but I decided to do this stupid act. And my father, on the other hand, he liked to discipline us in a way that I believe was unfair. He didn't cause any bodily harm. He, he did the, the, the psychological warfare because he would let us know that he knew and he would tell us. He goes, oh, but the punishment's coming. And so we would wait for days and tear. Like, I wouldn't even want to go around my dad ever. And, he, and so we would, we would know that he knew, and I'd be like, oh, my dad knows about this. What am I going to do right now? And so for days, I would just sit and tear. And by the way, that is so mean. Please don't do that to your children, all right? Because it messes with their heads. It really does. And so here I am walking around like, I am in so much trouble. Oh my goodness, he's going to hurt me. And finally, my dad, we, he owned a little Ford Ranger, a little single cab Ford Ranger, and he waited until I was stuck for two and a half hours in this truck with him to have our talk. That's not right, church. All right. Looking back, I, I think now that I am a dad, I realize that is brilliant. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. <laughs> but he dished out the punishment, and then what happened was. As well, I ended up doing something that was really stupid, um, and, and it ended up affecting all of my friends because they all got in trouble as well. And it, no one got hurt or anything like that, but it was, just, it was just a young and dumb decision. And after my dad told me the punishment, I was grounded for like a month and, and all of this stuff, my dad got real serious. And he paused. And when my dad pauses, you, you end up listening. Because when he speaks, he wants you to hear what he's going to say. And he, he said, son, I need you to hear me. He says, son, we don't live in a vacuum. He said, what we do and what we say has a lasting impact on others. And he said, look what you've done. He said, son, what you did, did, yeah, you're punished, but he goes, look at your friends. He goes, they didn't deserve that. He goes, because of what you've done, your friends are now suffering. He goes, they didn't even do anything. But because of your choice, they're now suffering. And church, that hurt. I mean, the punishment was, I mean, that didn't even hurt me at all compared to my dad's disappointment by looking and saying, son, we don't live in a vacuum. And what God is saying, He says, he goes, he, he, he's looking at us and he's saying, sons and daughters, I, I need you to hear me. He's saying, saying, you're my children, I I need you to look at me. He goes, sin, and I'm not gonna give you a list of sin, I'm I'm gonna just keep saying the word sin, I'm gonna let you put whatever the sin is that you struggle with in there. Sin, he goes, goes, sin, it wreaks havoc on those around you. He goes, it's going to hurt you, it's going to crush you. Sin leads to death, church, I I want you to know that. Sin will always lead to death, it it never comes out good. It might feel good for the moment, but it's always gonna turn bad. But what God is saying is, look, if you're gonna do these, if you're gonna make these choices, it's going to end poorly for those around you as well. It's going to have effects on your children, your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. He says it's going to hurt you and those around you, but church, listen to me, what God does is he doesn't leave it there, does he? He, doesn't, he, he gives us the warning, right? He says, look, this is what sin does. It's going to affect everyone around you. But listen to me. God says, there's hope. And church, that's where we can get excited because we don't have to live in our sin, amen? We are, we are broken free. And what God says is, look, all you have to do is you have to come to me. You have to come and live with me and love me. It says it's so interesting that the consequences of sin go to the third and fourth generation, right? And and that's not a a big number, but look what he says here. The consequences of sin to the third and fourth generation, but but, but his love, it extends to thousands. Church, that is amazing. He says, sure, your acts, it's going to affect those around you temporarily. It's it's going to have a lasting effect. But he says, my love is so great that sin, it only goes to the third generation. He says, but my love, it goes to thousands. Church, come on now. That should excite us. We should be energized by that, knowing that when we, when we share the love of Jesus Christ, it's going to go to thousands of generations to follow. The word thousands, if you study, I started doing a little bit of uh, word study. It refers to completion, to wholeness, perfection. God is promising, listen to me, God is promising that those who love him, it'll always be there. It'll never go away. His love, listen to me, church, his love is always there for us. It's always there for us. At any time, his love can step into our lives. At any time, his love can step into the midst of our life and break the chains of sin and erase it forever. Church, that that should give us hope because what God is saying is he's saying, look, I love you so much. I'm jealous for you. I want to do life with you. And he's asking, he's saying, why don't you want to do life with me? He says, my love will extend a thousand generations. I'm here for you. As that song said, I'm leaving the 99 to come get the one. I'm here, I'm coming to get you. I've left the 99 for you. Why aren't you coming to me? He says, I left my heavenly realm to come be with you, to come live life with you, to give you my love and he's sitting there asking, why aren't you coming to me? And what he says, he says, don't chase other gods. Don't, don't be creating deities that exist. Don't settle for anything but the one true God. Listen to what, what Paul says as he describes and believer in Romans chapter one. He says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Did you hear that, church? If you want to write that down, it's Romans chapter one, verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Church, what we're doing right now is nothing new. This has been going on since the beginning of time. People have, of all cultures, of all races, of all walks of life have, man, have manufactured and worshipped all kinds of gods. People like to have something tangible. If you read the Old Testament, the New Testament, I'm telling you, there are so many stories of people creating gods that they can touch, that they can see, that they can be a part of, and they, and they like that. And, and I was reading uh, this week, there's a temple in Kyoto, Japan, or, or Kyoto, Japan, called the Temple of a Thousand Buddhas. And it's really interesting when you read about that. It says because there are a 1,000 Buddha statues in this temple. And what you do is you walk into this temple and you walk around and you find the Buddha that most resembles you. You find the Buddha that looks like you. And that's the one that you worship. And that seems crazy, right? Like, why why would anybody do that? But, But here's the reality. Aren't we tempted to do that? I mean, let's just be honest, right? Aren't aren't we tempted to do that very thing? To create a God in our image so that God will do and be what we want him to be? We like a God that fits our agenda. We like a God that fits our justification for the way we live our lives, but God is saying, no, 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 listen to me, church. There are no other gods. It's just me. And if you read in these first two commandments, God is telling the Hebrew children, he's still telling us today, remember who I am, recall what I've done, and reject all other competitors. And if you're taking notes, write this down, church. There are no other gods. There are no other gods. You, you can pretend and you can try to make them up, but listen to me. There are no other gods. There's no second choice. All other gods are false. Do not bow down to them. Do not make one for yourself. And I know right now some of you are thinking, Preacher Andrew, I, I, I got it. Move on. Okay, there, there's no other gods. There's only one God. I, I got that. Alright? There's a few other commandments coming up that we, that we may need to, you know, it's going to make us sweat, right? I mean, we read that list. We're like, oh man. I'm going to sweat on that one. I'm going to skip that Sunday. I'm going to skip this. I was actually laughing a couple weeks ago. I said, Maybe I should do these out of order so nobody, you know, that way nobody can look and skip this, you know. But, but on this one, we're clear, right? And we're like, oh, okay, Pastor, I don't have no golden statue in my, my, my bedroom. But, but listen to me, don't, don't tune me out yet, okay? You want to go a little bit deeper with me? Can we do that this morning? I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, those Baptists, they're going to us, beat us to lunch. All right, no. <laughs> That's so bad. I, I make that joke a lot, and I'm going to get in trouble one of these days by saying that. <laughs> If there's any Baptists in here, I am sorry. I'm just I'm just teasing you. It's the Methodists we gotta worry about. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> Let's dig a little deeper. What 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 is God meaning But I'm gonna get in so much trouble? Anywho. So what, what we're seeing here is, is God knows his people, right? God knows us, he knows our hearts, he, he knows who we are, and he understands that 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 in our in our humanity. We struggle and we get frustrated by the idea of serving a God that we cannot see, that we cannot touch, and we cannot hear. God understands that. He knows that. And and if you look through the generations of people, the gods of the nations, they were these huge statues that were overlaid with gold and precious stones, spectacular gods that were sitting in these magnificent buildings. They were powerless. They had no power, but they were tangible, right? Right? You could touch them, you could see them, you could could go and, and they were there. But church, hear me, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God, that's not the creator of the universe. He demands, he says, listen, you have to worship me alone. And here's what he says to us. He says, stop trying to put me into a box. He says, because what you're trying to do when you're, when you're creating these idols, when you're, when you're trying to fit me into, into to look like you, because, because God wasn't created in our image, we were created in God's image. And, and so often we take our box, we're like, okay, well, I, I like this piece of God, I like this piece of God, and I like this, I want to shove it in here to fit me, and we put him in a box, and, but what God is saying is, I can't fit in a box, he says, I'm greater than that box. Just stop trying to, 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 to create something that doesn't exist to fit you. He says, what you have to do is come to me and let me teach you how to be. Because the, these fake things that we create, these fake ideas about God, and I'm not saying that we always create a, 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 a false gods that have nothing to do with God. What we like to do is we like to pick and choose the characteristics of God that we want, right? Church, that's still an idol, because what we're doing is we're minimizing God. We're trying to fit him into this box. God's too big for a box, church. The God of the Bible, it cannot fit in anything that we, he's uncomprehensible. He's beyond our, our understanding. Do not create in your minds and in your hearts anything holy because only God is the holy one. The God and the creator of the universe. And what's interesting, if you actually continue reading through the, the book of Exodus, and you go all the way, I think it's chapter 32. While Moses is getting these commandments and while God is making this covenant with him and as they're going on, what you'll see is you'll see Aaron is with the Israelite people and they're creating a false god. They're creating the golden calf, a god that they could see, a god they could touch and display. They were trying to, to mimic their god and, and some people may ask, well, what's the big deal? What if we created an idol in the image of our God? What's, what's the problem with that? Well, here's the big deal, church. In his infinite wisdom, God knew, listen to me, God knew that nothing that man created would ever be able to encompass all that God is. God knew that. God knew that, and every time that we would try to make something that looked like him, or, or tried to make something that is like him, we would always fall short. There is no material on this earth that we could ever fashion with our hands that would ever encompass God. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter four, I believe it's verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him, listen to me church, must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Whenever we rely on something Listen to me church, whenever we rely on something to worship God, you're, it's borderline idolatry. You cannot rely on a thing to worship God. You ready for this one? You can't rely on the church building to worship God. You cannot rely on the pews to worship God. You cannot rely on something to worship God It is in spirit and truth. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's not just listening to the preacher thing. It's not just listening to the worship team thing. It's an everyday thing where we have to learn to have a heart of worship. Where every day in spirit and truth, we realize there are no other gods. It is only the one true God. Paul said in Colossians chapter two, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Jesus Christ. Church, listen to me. There are no other gods, and our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Anything that we create to represent God, or any other aspect of God, or any characteristic of God, will automatically reduce God. what God is saying is, he says, refuse to reduce me. There are no other gods, and our focus needs to be on him and him alone. He says, stop trying to reduce me. Understand that I am incomprehensible, that I am the wonderful one, the holy one. Worship me for who I am. The temple was, was finished and the children of Israel had gathered for its dedication and Solomon stood before the crowd and he made an observation all the people needed to hear. And this is what he said: in 1 Kings chapter 8. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heavens and the highest heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. He was talking about the temple that he had built for God. And he said, look, this cannot contain him. Church, listen to me. Anything that we create to represent God, it's just a thing. And so what we have to do, we have to be very careful about elevating religious symbols to more than they really are. After all, which religious symbols can accurately portray the totality of who God is, of what Jesus Christ has done for us? Church, there are no other gods and our attention has to be on Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that our human nature drives us to venerate, honor, worship that which is exclusive of what we don't see. We have a tendency to worship the created instead of the creator. In church, we have to learn to worship the creator. Augustine said, idolatry is worshiping that which is to be used in using that which should be, we should be worshiping. There was a a, a magazine called Life Magazine that came out with an article that said, One Nation Under Gods. And it said that America is a spiritual smorgasbord offered everywhere. You have your God and I have my God. But what God is saying is he said, no, there's only one God and that's me. And he says, your attention better be on me. Otherwise, there's going to be consequences. But church, there's hope. You see, there are no other gods, and our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ because our hope of salvation is found in Jesus Christ, amen. Our hope of salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Church, listen to us. he saved us, he rescued us from the, cl- from the clutches of sin. He rescued us from death, church. God says it right there, look what he says. He says, I am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the, fourth, to, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. He says, there's consequences of sin, but, but showing love to a thousand generations. He says, look, your attention has to be on Jesus Christ because there's consequences for sin, but your hope is found in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ offers you salvation. He is our hope and our salvation, church. He is our hope and salvation. Why, listen to me, church, why would we ever put something before God? And why would we ever worship something other than God? And so as we come to a close, I want to ask you this question. And I think each of us this week. I'm going to challenge you this week. I I want you to ask yourself this. What am I making into a God? What am I putting before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And what I think we need to do is I really believe that we need to allow God to examine our hearts and reveal to us what is standing in the way. And church, I don't preach this because I think someone in here is doing something. I don't know if you're putting something before God. I don't know what you're making into a God. But if it's not the one true God, the creator of the universe, church, it's an idol. And it goes against the word of God. And we need to put God first in our lives. Amen.